0: Chapter Twenty Three of the Daffodil Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Belinda Brown of Indianapolis, Indiana. The Daffodil Mystery by Edgar Wallace. Chapter Twenty Three The Night Visitor. Carling was less in a dilemma than in that condition of uncertainty which is produced by having no definite plans one way or the other. There was no immediate necessity for his to return to town, and his annoyance at finding the last train gone was due rather to a natural desire to sleep in his own bed than to any other cause. He might have got a car from a local garage and motored to London, if there had been any particular urgency but he told himself he might as well spend the night in Hertford as in Bond Street. If he had any leanings towards staying at Hertford, it was because he was anxious to examine the contents of the wallet at his leisure. If he had any call to town, it might be discovered in his anxiety as to what happened to Odette Ryder, whether she had returned to her hotel or was still marked missing by the police. He could, at any rate, get into communication with Scotland Yard and satisfy his mind on that point. He turned back from the station in search of lodgings. He was to find that it was not so easy to get rooms as he had imagined. The best hotel in the place was crowded out as a result of an agricultural convention, which was being held in the town. He was sent on to another hotel, only to find that the same state of congestion existed, and finally, after half an hour's search, he found accommodations at a small commercial hotel which was surprisingly empty his first step was to get into communications with london and this was established without delay nothing had been heard of odette rider and the only news of importance was that the ex-convict sam stay had escaped from the county lunatic asylum to which he had been removed tarling went up to the commodious sitting-room he was mildly interested in the news about stay for the man had been a disappointment. This criminal, whose love for Thornton Lyne had, as Tarling suspected rightly, been responsible for his mental collapse, might have supplied a great deal of information as to the events which led to the day of the murder, and his dramatic breakdown had removed a witness who might have offered material assistance to the police. Tarling closed the door of his sitting-room behind him, pulled the wallet from his pocket, and laid it on the table. He tried first with his own keys to unfasten the flap, but the locks defied him. The heaviness of the wallet surprised and piqued him, but he was soon to find an explanation for its extraordinary weight. He opened his pocket-knife, and began to cut away the leather about the locks, and uttered an exclamation. So, that was the reason for the heaviness of the pouch. It was only leather covered. Beneath this cover was a lining of fine steel mail. The wallet was really a steel-chain bag, the locks being welded to the chain, and absolutely immovable. He threw the wallet back on the table with a laugh. He must restrain his curiosity until he got back to the yard, where the experts would make short work of the best locks which were ever invented whilst he sat watching the thing upon the table and turning over in his mind the possibility of its contents he heard footsteps pass his door and mount the stairway opposite which his sitting-room was situated visitors in the same plight as himself he thought somehow being in a strange room amidst unfamiliar surroundings gave the case a new aspect it was an aspect of unreality they were all so unreal the characters in this strange drama Thornton Lyne seemed fantastic, and fantastic indeed was his end. Milbur, with his perpetual smirk, his little stoop, his broad, fat face and half bald head, Mrs. Ryder, a pale ghost of a woman who flitted in and out of the story, or rather hovered about it, never seeming to intrude, yet never wholly separated from its tragic process, Ling Chu, imperturbable, bringing with him the atmosphere of that land of intrigue and mystery and motive, China. Odette Ryder, alone was real. She was life warm, palpitating, wonderful. Tarling frowned and rose stiffly from his chair. He despised himself a little for this weakness of his. Odette Rider, a woman still under suspicion of murder, a woman whom it was his duty, if she were guilty, to bring to the scaffold, and the thought of her turned him hot and cold. He passed through to his bedroom, which adjoined the sitting-room, put the wallet on a table by the side of his bed, locked the bedroom door opened the windows and prepared himself as best he could for the night there was a train leaving hertford at five in the morning and he had arranged to be called in time to catch it he took off his boots coat vest collar and tie unbuckled his belt he was one of those eccentrics to whom the braces of civilization were anathema and lay down on the outside of the bed pulling the eider down over him sleep did not come to him readily he turned from side to side thinking 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 suppose there had been some mistake in the time of the accident at ashford suppose the doctors were wrong and thornton Lyne was murdered at an earlier hour suppose odette rider was in reality a cold-blooded he growled away the thought he heard the church clock strike the hour of two and waited impatiently for the quarter to chime He had heard every quarter since he had retired to bed, but he did not hear that quarter. He must have fallen into an uneasy sleep, for he began to dream. He dreamt he was in China again, and had fallen into the hands of that baneful society, the cheerful hearts. He was in a temple, lying on a great black slab of stone, bound hand and foot, and above him he saw the leader of the gang, knife in hand, peering down into his face with a malicious grin and it was the face of odette rider he saw the knife raised and woke sweating the church clock was booming three and a deep silence lay on the world but there was somebody in his room he knew that and lay motionless peering out of half-closed eyes from one corner to the other there was nobody to be seen nothing to be heard but his sixth sense told him that somebody was present he reached out his hand carefully and silently to the table and searched for the wallet it was gone then he heard the creak of a board and it came from the direction of the door leading to the sitting-room with one bound he was out of bed in time to see the door flung open and a figure slip through he was after it in a second the burglar might have escaped but unexpectedly there was a crash and a cry he had fallen over a chair and before he could rise tarling was on him and had flung him back he leapt to the door it was open he banged it closed and turned the key Now let's have a look at you, said Tarling grimly, and switched on the light. He fell back against the door, his mouth open in amazement, for the intruder was Odette Rider, and in her hand she held the stolen wallet. End of chapter twenty three Reading by Belinda Brown of Indianapolis, Indiana.